I said dick lawyer news. Is there dick lawyer news? No, I don't think there is. No. Just work something in. It's Friday, November 15th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Paul Peters, Master's Student in Civil Engineering, and with me today is uh, Gordon Derek, Contributing Editor at Dutch News and President of the Nigel Farage Fan Club, and Molly Quell, Contributing Editor at Dutch News and International Ophef Influencer. Paul, you forgot, you left out your job title. Oh, oh, that's right. I am a spicy a-hole. Yeah. That's right, you but, are. But, but I don't understand what it refers to, so Molly, <laughs> could you please explain what this it is? Because you insisted that I will be calling myself a spicy a-hole. This was the best thing on the internet this week. There was a cat in, in a rescue facility, I think somewhere in the UK, who apparently kept escaping is like a little Houdini and was like letting all the other cats in the facility out. <laughs> so but it was actually holding the door for the other cats. It was like basically just unlocking out. all the yeah. little cat cages right. so the cats could get out and like wreak havoc and the rescuers <laughs> people would come back in in the morning and they had to like round up all these cats. So, so literally herding cats. There was literally herding cats. Yeah. So they, so this very charming rescue facility was trying to write this very, you know, sort of nice and sweet thing about their cat and how they really wanted their cat to get adopted and like, please come take this cat because it's ruining everything. And they put this little picture of him locked in like an office where he was locked because they were in putting in new locks on all the cat cages. And so there's this very sad photo of him like staring out the window. And when they put this up, they put this whole story up on Facebook and then someone commented something and they replied, this cat is a spicy a-hole. <laughs> <laughs> and then they later issued an apology for using <laughs> offensive language. To the cats or to uh, To the, the general public and uh, maybe also to the cat. Yeah, um, And it just, it, the whole story reminded me a lot of you, Paul. So oh, call okay. you a spicy a-hole. Okay. Is Paul go around on Locking cages. He just wreaks havoc wherever he goes, I think, and and people uh-huh. are often frustrated. Yeah, with him. and you keep posting on Facebook uh, to, to 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 calling on people to please pick me up. I really, if there's another away. podcast out there that wants Paul, please let us know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Send just an email podcast anything. at dutchnews.nl. It's fine. But uh, Gordon, uh, you are the president of Nigel Farage's cat fan Well, club. so I, you say. <laughs> you kept like po- you kept posting this. about him on Facebook. I didn't so dad about that. I posted about him once on Facebook. That's too many times to post about Nigel. Farage. It is, but you know, it's, it's just a source of fascination for me how this how this con man keeps getting invited onto political talk shows. He, he does. He is the Dick Avocat of. Uh, he really UK is. He just won't no, go do away, not yeah. disparage Dick Avocat's good name by comparing him to Nigel Farage. You you compared him to herpes. I mean, the well, that is still a, it's a, just a it's a valid comparison. comparison. <laughs> That's true. It's true. Well, I think Nigel Farage is also herpes. So no. I think Nigel Farage is worse I, than herpes. I think it's worse. More like syphilis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Deadlier. Um, and Molly, you are the international Ophef influencer. I don't know why you made this my title. Why did you make this my title, Paul? Because you managed to use the word Ophef on live radio mm. of the BBC. I did. I did a call. And I managed to refer to the day, the Veve Day, as the Vroom Vroom Party, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which I'm yeah. even more proud of. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. no, I'm very proud of your Ophef Thank uh, you. influencing. Yeah. Yes. And also, bonus points. Yeah. Thank you. I'm spreading I, the word of your Ophef in, in, Scotland, in Scotland as well. I think BBC Radio Scotland. BBC Radio Scotland. Yeah. yeah, I was on a, what is called News Drive. It's like yes. their afternoon, yeah, their, their afternoon evening news, news program. Yeah. yeah. Which makes it even better. It was great. Yeah, we are we are spreading the word Ophef over. over I'm yes. trying over the world. to to yeah. spread it as far as it's always good to spread a little Ophef. Yeah. yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Speaking of Ophef, give us some Ophef. 
Uh, this week's ophef is about the singer André Hazes' uh, son, André Hazes. <laughs> Creative name. <I> know. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> it is really ridiculous, but, but at the end it will be very funny. It I is think. very funny, yeah. ophef. Um, André Hazes left his wife last week. Uh, um, André Hazes, the younger. Yes. The younger, yeah. The, the older, older one is, is dead. Is dead. He's dead. Yeah. died of, uh, well, alcohol poisoning, didn't he, eventually? But, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but André Hazes, the younger, left his wife this week for a much older woman, Bridget Maslund, who is uh, 20 years older than him. Uh, the news of the relationship of the two celebrities was soon the talk of the town, but tabloid headlines uh, sort of painted uh, Bridget Maslund as the evil woman who snatched away Hases from his lovely girlfriend. And this caused some upheaval by many who thought that this portrayal was a little bit unfair. What is Bridget Maslund famous for? Hmm. Uh, she is a TV presenter okay. or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, she once kissed a uh, Prime Minister Balkanen then. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, let's not... Uh, <laughs> let's not dwell on that. Let's that's, not dwell that's, on pre- that's past <laughs> Ophef. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but on top of that, more Ophef emerged when celebrity gossip TV show Adriel Boulevard remained practically silent about the affair. Coincidentally, the show is presented by Bridget Maslund, so uh, the show was accused of sort of hypocrisy. Yeah. Because, yeah, that's their business model, talking yes. about this sort of stuff. Um and if this wasn't enough, uh, the Dutch statistics agency CBS, who uh, joined the OPEF, when they posted uh, an infographic about relationship stability and age difference on their Instagram page. Uh, this was, I don't know uh, who came up with this at the CBS, but please get in touch with them. I would just like to buy them a beer. Yeah, like, this is brilliant. Yeah, this was obviously a reference to uh, the Hases and Maasland OPEF, and many thought it was very unprofessional and inappropriate for a government agency uh, to do something like this. Uh, but others, uh, yeah, maybe it uh, laugh uproariously mostly me yeah no also <laughs> I mean, lots of people. anybody who didn't laugh at this has no sense of humor no, yeah I, I, I think trolling with statistics yeah. <laughs> where else in the world would you get that what, what do you what do you think is the um, uh, most stable age difference uh, I don't remember. I didn't actually read it. I think it said uh, within five years. Yeah, it? Five but, it, years. But, it's, but they yeah. also said, and I think this is another controversy, that it is um, better if the man is older. Oh. But oh, that, for oh. stability, yes, for the sake for of the stability. stability of the relationship, mm. yeah. Yeah. Apparently. That's what the statistics say. Don't, don't write, I am don't older, write to I'm, me. I'm older yeah. than my partner, so maybe it's bad for our stability. It could be. But we're within five is... years of each other, so maybe it's okay. Mm. We will ask the CBS. Yeah, please ask the CBS. Yeah. This week, the joint investigation team after the MH17 crash called on witnesses. Swarte Piet made his return to the Netherlands, while ISIS women did not make their return yet. After the break, we take a look on the cabinet's plans to tackle the nitrogen crisis. Oh, more stick stuff. More stick stuff. Mm, more stick stuff. So much fun. More stick stuff. Stick stuff and stones. I'd rather be in a room filled with stick stuff. <laughs> The joint investigation team looking into the shooting down of flight MH17 issued a new appeal for witnesses on Thursday. The JIT is looking for information on individuals within the military and administrative hierarchy who enabled the shooting down of MH17 in eastern Ukraine using a book missile, the organization said in a statement. The JIT has also released a number of intercepted phone calls which uh, show leaders of the armed group Donetsk People Republic that they maintain contact with high-ranking Russian government officials about Russian military support. The intensity of Russian influence is relevant to investigating further individuals involved in the downing of MH17, the appeal said. That is why today the JIT is releasing this new appeal for witnesses. In June, the JIT said four suspects are being prosecuted for downing flight MH17 in 2014, killing 298 passengers and crew, even though prosecutors admit that there is little chance that they will turn up in a Dutch court. 
The joint investigation team said it had identified four key suspects who cooperated to obtain and deploy the Buk missile at the firing location with the aim of shooting down an aircraft. Three of the suspects are Russian and one is Ukrainian and the uh, JIT has served summons to Russia and Ukraine for them to appear in court in The Hague on March 9th, 2020. Um, all the suspects played key roles in the self-proclaimed Donetsk People Republic in eastern Ukraine. Yeah, yeah they're going to try them in absentia, right, these four guys? Uh, I think they're going to have to, yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's, 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 there's very little chance that they're going to be extradited. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But I think the key, the key development here seems to be that this actually the, the, um, the information they've released here shows really evidence of you know, connections at the, at the t- really at the top level of um, you know, the, the Russian this, government. This, this breakaway. Yeah. Um, Ukrainian uh, separatist movement and the Russian government. Yeah. Was in the, so far, the video investigation kind of focused on how the, who owned the missile, which side it was fired from, and how it got to the base. But now they broadened it out. It's, they sort of they stepped it up the uh, the rankings and started to you know. The, 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 or I think it seems to be the 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 argument the prosecution or the evidence they're trying to gather is that there was actually involvement directly from the upper ranks of the Russian military to Ukrainian separatists, and perhaps that explains why Russia has been so keen to block this investigation yeah. because it's going to reveal uh, and things that the Russian government would rather keep quiet. Yeah. So it's not the individual soldiers who sort of accidentally um, no. uh, shut down this airplane, but it could have been actually uh, top-level uh, generals or the uh, or the Russian government who sort of gave this uh, this order. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what it seems like they suspect. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess we will uh, see if more evidence comes out. Indeed. Mm. Every year, the time comes that we have to discuss Zorta Pete on the podcast, and we've put it off long enough. So, the group Kickout Zorta Pete has accused the police of failing to protect its members' safety after a weekend in which four people were arrested for violently breaking up a meeting. A meeting of activists on Friday evening in The Hague was broken up by vigilantes who smashed windows of buildings, attacked it with fireworks, and vandalized cars parked outside. Police arrested five people, one of whom has since been discounted as a suspect. One of the suspects was a 13-year-old boy. Oh, wow. Mm. Who is raising these... Well, I mean, blockier freeze of people are raising <laughs> these people. The group has also filed a police complaint against The Hague businessman John Van Zweda, who posted tweets on Friday afternoon calling on people to turn up to the protest with tar, feathers, and other shit to drive them out of the city because that's definitely a thing a grown-up man should do. Yeah, and Van Zweden is not the only uh, grown man who's been behaving badly this in this context. Right? No, a man, that is another man, not the guy from before, has been arrested in The Hague for threatening to blow himself up in support of the traditional blackface sword to Pete, who has been phased out in many big city center-class parades. <laughs> Isn't it just common knowledge that you shouldn't smash windows and break up meetings and blow yourself. Uh, I, well, apparently you, you so, need to tell people that. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. just surprised that uh, we need to tell people that. Yeah. The man made the thread on Facebook last weekend and police received several reports from worried people who had seen the posting. The man, age 49, was arrested on Monday. The suspect told the police he was very sorry about the message which he had made in reaction to another post. No explosives were found during a search of his home. Yeah. That just so shows that you can't make these kind of jokes. No, don't threaten Facebook. to blow people up yeah. on on Facebook. Yeah. Or, or, or even yourself. Or, or even yeah. yourself. Yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. threaten to blow anything up on Facebook. Yeah, that's a bad thing to do. <laughs> and what about the uh, other demonstrations? In The Hague, campaigners opposed to the use of blackface and the annual Sinterklaas celebrations can go ahead and demonstrate during Saturday's parade. The Hague is the only one of the four big cities to continue to use blackface peats in its parade, although there are plans to change that next year. Mm. Sinterklaas season kicks off on Saturday when the arrival of St. Nicholas takes place in Appledorn. That's shown live on television. Appledorn, too, will feature only sooty-faced peats in the parade, although plo- 
Plo. Plo. Although pro-blackface demonstrators, which is not a phrase that anyone should have to say, <laughs> have pledged to hold their own protest. Last year's protest gave us the term Blockierfrieza, so at least that's been one good thing to come out of all of this. Yeah. Um, and uh, it doesn't stop there, though, does it? No, it no. doesn't stop. <laughs> this nonsense is unending. 23 people in the country can expect a summons from the public prosecutor for comments they made on a Facebook live stream posted by journalist Clarice Gargard of last year's since arrival in Amstelveen. Because, as we've discussed, people are utter trash and post terrible things on Facebook, the OM is going to hold them accountable. Statements made within the social debate are largely protected by freedom of expression. However, this protection ends when there is a question of purely racist, threatening, and inflammatory statements, the public prosecutor said in a statement about the case. Hmm. So hmm. also don't threaten to, like, kill people on Facebook. No. Yes. That's this is this is common knowledge, guys. These are takeaways this week. Yeah, don't don't threaten to blow yourself up, blow anybody else up, and don't threaten to kill anybody. Yeah, yeah. it's not that hard. You would have thought that people didn't need to be told this. I apparently. Yeah. But the post-sweated beats demonstrations did, however, produce the best video ever. It did. They did. Yes. Yeah. Because in one more bit that we will talk about for Swords of Pete, Paul, do you want to tell this story? No, Gordon wants to tell it. Jordan wants to tell well, it. I think I do want to tell it, yes. I saw it in your eyes. There was yeah. a pro Swords of Pete demonstration in, uh, was in, somewhere in Brabant. Eindhoven. Where exactly? it's it's Eindhoven. Yes, in Eindhoven. And they interviewed various people taking part in this, including one person who turned up in like sort of, you know, sort of patchy sort of bits of uh, you know brown makeup on her face. And they said, oh, you've come as a Rootfeich Pete, you know, a, a, a sooty Pete, which is what they're trying to move towards. I said, no, 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 I'm a proper blackface Pete. It's just I ran out of makeup. <laughs> <laughs> but still turned up, which is brilliant. Yeah, it's, but it, it's brilliant because it epitomizes just a total lack of self awareness <laughs> yeah. that people on you know, that these pro Pete uh, demonstrators have. And also so a very thick the... Brabant accent uh, contributed yeah. to the, uh, to the uh, comic effect. Yeah, yeah. it was re- really so fun. That was fun. GroenLinks leader Jesse Klaver is the only Dutch person on Time magazine's latest list of 100 rising stars around the world, known as its next ranking. The survey spotlights 100 rising stars in the worlds of business, entertainment, sport, politics, science and everything, basically. Klaver is one of 21 leaders highlighted by Time magazine. He earns his place for increasing GroenLinks present in the Dutch Parliament and the Climate Agreement. Green parties in other EU countries have gained momentum in recent months, but the 33-year-old's legislative success has made him exemplary of a bigger shift, the magazine wrote. Others in the leaders' category include Ayman Ode, a 44-year-old Israeli politician described as a potential kingmaker, Pete Buttigieg, one of the Democratic candidates for next year's US presidential election, and I really regret not rehearsing this one. (laughs) Did you just try to pick really hard names to make your life difficult? I, I didn't. I did with this, yeah. And Thanathorn Jangrun Grangit, an opposition leader in Thailand, and I'm very sorry because I know I pronounced that terribly. <laughs> I think you pronounced everybody's name, <laughs> except for Claver. Claver, you did fine. Yeah. yeah. So, which Dutch people would you include? Well, do we feel that Claver earns his place in this list? Uh, is I he guess the outstanding so. young hope of Dutch politics. Yeah, maybe. I mean. I don't know. Rabietta seems to be having a, a good moment lately. Yeah, I feel but he's, like. he's not going to be leader for the election. No, he's that's been true. Leader. I think. I uh, think the, the tractors, <laughs> not 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 the farmers, just the actual yeah, tractors. tractors. <laughs> uh, or this this cat from the UK asylum. The who, cat, uh, the spicy a hole cat. Spicy a hole cat. cat. Yeah, yeah definitely. That's no, I have no idea who who should be on this list. Uh, I don't know. Dutch, yeah, rising stars of Dutch politics. That's a good question. You what about the um, the kids that um, a... the kids that started swap feet? Who was names I do not know. But I think like they're a pretty good. Yeah, or, they... or boy and slut. You could have made a case for him. I'm not saying you, you have to. <laughs> I think he's the most well-known Dutch. Person. Yeah, you could say Boy and Slat, I yeah, guess. I think so. Yeah. 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 Um, 
I don't know. I think the kids from Swap Feats, they, that seems to be like a pretty... What, pretty international? But they already are international. I mean, Swap Feats oh. is in... They're in at least, I think, Denmark and a couple of other countries in okay. Europe, so... I didn't know that. I think something like that. Yeah. But, well, for me, that's just one candidate, really. And that is the Brexit Muppet. Oh, oh the Brexit <laughs> Muppet. How could oh, we have forgotten the Brexit oh, Muppet? Wow. No, yeah. uh, very obvious. I want Dick Avocado yes. to be on the no, list. He's I'm, not really I'm, a rising star, is he, Dick Avocado? You, know, you don't know that. He, he keeps rising. <laughs> he keeps rising. He keeps rising. He keeps coming back. The Dutch government must make all possible efforts to repatriate some 56 Dutch children in refugee camps in northern Syria, but is not required to bring back their mothers, judges in The Hague ruled on Monday. The group of 23 Dutch female jihadis and their children had gone to court to force the Netherlands to repatriate them. Law firms representing the women and children said that by not bringing them back, the Netherlands is acting against international human rights treaties because the conditions in the camps are dreadful. The Dutch counterterrorism agency NCTV believes bringing the children back would be better for national security in the long run. That's also uh, the belief held by the public prosecutor and the National Security Service uh, Day. So is this the end of this? No. No, this is another one that's not going to end. Justice Minister Ferdinand Krapahaus and Foreign Minister Steph Block told MPs on Tuesday that the ruling raises a number of issues which, quote, may have not been considered sufficiently, including international relationships, and they plan to appeal the ruling. Yeah, and the big sticking block here, of course, is that the Kurds who run the camps do not want to release the children on their own without their mothers. They yeah, insist of course that not. their mothers and children have to go Why home would together. you want to do that? Which, yeah. Yeah, is what are you going to do? Are you going to take this? Yeah. There's a three-week-old baby there. Are you going to rip this three-week-old child away from its mother? No. Yeah. We're not going to do that. Yeah, but the Dutch government, of course, is adamant it will not bring the women home. Yeah, and because it's kind of interesting, I think, that we've had this ruling, but it doesn't how much it's really going to affect things because the, the court haven't applied any kind of sanction here. No, right? They, they could have, for example, imposed like a dvangsom. Yeah. On uh, you know, which like is basically a conditional fine. Well, what they said was is that they can't, they couldn't order the government to do that because, as the government has said, the conditions there are really dangerous, and that yeah. they did not want to make a ruling that said you had to put Dutch people in harm's way in order to get them back. But I think it's going to be a non-issue because. Turkey has started deporting people, basically. There's a number of, like, foreign jihadis uh, in Turkish camps, and they deported an American earlier this week. They deported seven Germans yesterday. They are scheduled to deport some Norwegians next week. So I think they're going to deport people out of these these camps anyway. And also, under this, is it Kinder Beskerming, the Children's Protection yeah, Agency? Yeah. I didn't know this. This also happened to Lillian Horwick. So basically, in the Lillian Horwick case, which was these two Armenian children mm. who we talked about this yes. a year ago or whatever when it happened, they were slotted to be deported after their mothers and their asylum claims were rejected. Yeah. And but their it, mother had been already go, gone the, home. Yeah, so the mother was separated. deported yeah. and then they were going to deport the kids. Yeah. And there was this big outcry about this. These kids had been living in the Netherlands for most of their lives. They had no connection to Armenia. So in the end, they were allowed to stay. But under the way that children's rights laws work here, they then were able to re-import their mother back mm. to the Netherlands because what the Dutch government says is, is that if it's possible to keep kids together with yeah. their parents, mm. that is the best situation. Yeah. So in this case, even if they bring the children back, then what is going to happen is the lawyers are going to file suit to say yeah. like, well, then you also must re, you know, connect them with their mothers and then the mothers are also going to get brought back. Exactly, yeah. So exactly. I don't know why they're fighting about but, this. But, but that's why the government, Dutch government is appealing. Yeah. Is because that's a scenario they want to avoid. Right. And also, I think, I'm, I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but I understood the judge also said that basically if push comes to shove and you cannot get the children back, 
without, without the mothers, mothers. You yes have you have to bring, to bring them back yeah. Yeah. yeah so i mean i don't know all the security agencies are saying bring them back the arguments yes. in favor of that are basically that like if you leave them there one people like this only become more radicalized two you can't keep tabs on them so you have no idea what's going to happen i mean they're traveling on dutch passports so like you know they have pretty open access to the eu it's like hard to to keep people out who mm. are who are sort of traveling under those conditions and that like they have a connection to the netherlands so if they're going to be mad at some government they're going to be mad at the dutch government and want to commit acts of terror here it's much better to bring them back where you can monitor them charge them with something get them into some sort of rehabilitation thing mm. and you know hope that that's like the best possible outcome yeah but that's political poison so political poison mm. Three of the big four health insurers have cut their premiums for 2020, but not by much. The deadline to declare next year's prices fell last Tuesday, triggering the annual marketing drive to persuade people to switch insurer. Cezet has cut his monthly premium for the basic package by €3.85. Zilver Kraus has trimmed one fifty from its premium, while Fegezet is taking off a whopping €1. The odd one out <laughs> is Menzis, which is raising its prices by €1. The four insurers have a nearly 90% share of the market and all of them will be charging between 120 and 125 euros a month for compulsory basic cover. What about the collective health cover? Not such good news if you've got collective cover as around two thirds of Dutch people have, uh, which means that you get your health insurance through your employer or some other club or if you work for the Commune to say. The government is cutting the discount these policies get from 10% to 5%, so they'll be going up and that sort of partly explains why the insurers are able to cut the overall premium. Mm, because you get more money from them. Yeah. yeah. So Gordon, should I switch insurance companies? Well, you'll be getting deluged advertising material through your letterbox for the next six weeks and online uh, advising you to do just that. The window to change insurers closes on December the 31st. There are various price comparison sites that can help you choose, but not all insurers are on there. They're not wholly... And very uh, often they are actually owned by some insurers. They are, but nevertheless, so they do still give you it's a, pretty good a, a good amount of information, mm. a fairly thorough basis for making your decision. There's a feature up on Dutch News about switching insurers, which we should declare was sponsored by Zorgweiser NL, which is a price comparison site, but we'll link to that in our line of notes. Yeah, they have, they have pretty good information. They usually do a price comparison feature for us every year. It's also worth, I think, pointing out that, uh, well, there's two things. One is Gordon's secret tip and trick for <laughs> buying insurance, which yeah. is, is that you can buy your basic package from one yeah. place and your, like, step-up package from another yes. company, which yeah. I did not know, and no, my very mind few was totally know that. blown. Yeah. Uh, and also, you should contact, if you have, like, regular doctors and stuff, you should contact them before you switch insurances to make sure that they're covered under the other insurance company yes that you because will be some on. In, in, increasingly uh, some insurance packages do not cover all healthcare providers especially yeah. if you have things like physiotherapy yeah make sure that your therapist is covered by your insurer yeah. otherwise you get some nasty shocks so i had to send out a couple of emails this week being like i have my health insurance company has been bought out by zilver and kraus so uh, mm. how's that gonna work out that's the other thing uh, companies own other insurance companies yeah. and it's really a big maze yeah. but I, last year i switched i switched from fake to unifei basically then discovered that fake owns unifei yeah. so, <laughs> what was the point of that i don't know <laughs> it's, yeah i don't know i've been bought out so i'm gonna go, i'm gonna check it out i will use the Zorgvisor thing and then see but i did email my doctors this week and be like are you covered by all of this just to make yeah. sure it sort of doesn't apply to your like general practitioner but it does apply if you would like see any yeah kind of it doesn't apply to basic or, insurance because that's yeah. decided by the government but yeah. any additional insurance yeah. you have is you know, the insurers have much yeah. more scope to kind of you know re refuse and exclude exactly yeah 
Facebook was ordered by a Dutch court this week to tackle fraudulent advertising for Bitcoin, which uses Dutch celebrities without their permission to promote cryptocurrencies. The case was brought by media tycoon John de Mol, with the backing of other television personalities such as Eva Yinnick and York Kelder, whose faces were also used to promote fake Bitcoin sales. Judges in Amsterdam have now ruled Facebook cannot hide behind its role as a, quote, neutral platform, and they say they will fine it up to 1.1 million euros unless the company takes action. Ooh, will Facebook finally be fined? I don't know. Uh, were these ads successful? More than 150 Dutch nationals were persuaded by the adverts to buy Bitcoins and other cryptocurrency, losing a total of 1.7 million euros <gasps> in the process. 150 people, 1.7 million euros. That's Oof. a lot of money. Ouch, that's painful. Yeah, yeah. that hurts. If the Netherlands can avoid losing to Northern Ireland in Belfast on Saturday, they will qualify for next year's summer tournament, and that's something that hasn't happened in six years. When I first read the script, I thought it said, if Netherlands can avoid losing Northern Ireland, and I was like, <laughs> what is this Brexit? <laughs> yeah, the Brexit's really stepped up again. Yeah. <laughs> we got to talk to the Brexit Muppet. You can't lose whole countries, it, it's Literally, the Irish border solution now is they're just going to cut it out. <laughs> just and, and clip it out. <laughs> just attach it to the Netherlands. It'll exactly, be better. Yeah. <laughs> Ronald Koeman has called up a couple of new faces for the European Championships qualifier in Windsor Park, including Azat Alkmaz, Kelvin Stings and Miron Boadu. Both have a chance of starting the game because Memphis Depay, Stephen Bergwijn and Daniel Malen are still struggling with injuries. Aranya then wrap up their qualifying campaign on Tuesday night at home to Estonia, who are plum last in the group, and Northern Ireland and Germany, the only other teams that can deny them a place, will be playing each other on Tuesday. So it's looking good for uh, Rania. Uh, looks like they're gonna. Everyone's gonna be getting out the Finally. orange bunting in the summer. Yeah, yeah nice. Yeah. And how are the women doing? The only thing I care about. Uh, well, before that, I was gonna mention something. Oh, sorry. Um, Calvin Stengs has a handicap. Uh, do you know what it is? No, I have no idea what any of those does words mean. Does he golf? Mean. Uh, it's well, golf. Yeah, right. He doesn't, doesn't, does he play golf? I don't know, no, that's what you get in golf, you get a handicap. No, it's not a kind of handicap. It's not a disability, but it is a handicap or something that makes it harder to be an international footballer. Uh, no, I don't know. He has no contract to advertise <laughs> Calvin Klein underwear. <laughs> on, on, or Bitcoin. Or Bitcoin. <laughs> no, it's not that. No, he's born in December. And why is this a handicap? Well, because youth teams, youth international youth teams are all calibrated by calendar year. So if you're born in December, you are 11 months younger than other kids who you're competing with and you have a massive disadvantage. I discovered. I've actually. I remember reading a, an economics paper about this when I was yeah. in grad school. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really hard if you're born in the, in, in the autumn to to make it as an international footballer because you don't get into the into the. Or it's, it's so much harder for you to break into the youth teams. Huh. Yeah. So only forty six percent of international footballers were born in the first three months of the year. Wow. And only nine percent oh, the last really? three months. That's crazy. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, what is the takeaway from this? I just want to throw that in. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Just checking. Just checking. <laughs> okay, the, the, the lessons from this podcast is be born in the first three months of the year and if do you not want to be, be a international footballer. And yeah. stay off of Facebook. Yes. Yeah. So how's the women's team doing, Gordon? Uh, the defending champions are trying to qualify for the 2021 Euros. So they're only halfway through their qualifying campaign, but it's going really well. They took a big step towards the finals on Tuesday by beating their closest rivals, Slovenia, 4-1 in Utrecht. Sherida Spitzer, which is a great name for a striker. That's a great name for a striker. <laughs> she scored two penalties, uh, and the prolific Viviana Miedema netted a brace as well in the second half. They've won all six of their first matches. They're 12 points clear of their nearest rivals, although it's worth saying that Russia have only played three games. But it's looking good for them. Mm-hmm. Have they... Have they played in, in any way influence the outcomes of the <laughs> games, Russia? <laughs> they may be. Have uh, they been taking out ads on Facebook? Maybe <laughs> <laughs> some Bitcoin, or, or yeah, or, or maybe influencing the uh, the, the, the the lineups or, yeah. or something. I don't know. Yeah, very very possibly. 
hacking the Canfibbies. Hack, uh, hacking the Canfibbies yeah. website, yeah. A hospital in Groningen allowed Bruce the dog to say one last goodbye to his owner, who is dying from a heart attack. Bruce and his owner were inseparable for many years, and the dog was present when his owner collapsed at home. When he was rushed to the hospital, he was also ripped away from the dog's life. We wanted to set that straight, the head nurse of the academic hospital in Groningen said. Bruce jumped on his owner's bed, lay next to him for a while, and when he jumped off again, it was clear to the family and friends gathered in the room that the dog had said a proper goodbye. It is not the first time a dog was allowed inside uh, the Groningen hospital, even though it doesn't happen that often. The hospital doesn't know if this is allowed in other hospitals as well, but they expect hospitals are reluctant to do this because of uh, hygienic reasons. Uh, but we just find it important, and like people, a dog has to move on as well, the head nurse said. This is such a sad story. And I think it's kind of a very I mean, nice it's really sweet. story. It's really yeah. sweet, and it's nice that they've considered the dog's feelings yeah. in yeah. this uh, situation. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it was um, uh, Dagblad van het Noorden. They interviewed a uh, dog psychiatrist, and yeah. uh, uh, she said it's also very important for dogs to... Uh, to, to say goodbye because they also can mourn. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I uh, A friend of mine uh, passed away probably two years ago now and she had a therapy dog and they like went through this whole process at the funeral like with the therapy dog and stuff because mm. like they're very, very attached to each other. But of course these dogs are very difficult to train so they want, if the dogs are young enough, they want the dog to be able to go to somebody else that mm-hmm. needs them because they're very expensive. Um but first they were saying that, like, yeah, they have this whole, like, mourning process that they let the dog go through because it's, like, really jarring when, when something like that happens. Yeah. But I have, I have funnier the, 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 there's, there's more upbeat news. news. There's more upbeat yes, animal yeah, news. We're the, not going to end on a, on no, a sad no, we're, note. We're going to end on some gay penguins. A gay penguin couple and Amersfoort's Deer and Park Zoo have stolen an egg from another penguin family and are now <laughs> trying to hatch it. The two African penguins acquired, quote unquote, <laughs> the egg at a moment when no one was looking. No one knows if the egg they stole has been fertilized, but the hatching season is now in full swing. The gay couple are looking after the egg very well and take turns keeping it warm, zookeeper Mark Belt said. So, so yeah, and, and, and the penguins... You're going to have to uh, listen and read the last sentence I have to well. read the last sentence. Yes. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you see why <laughs> so apparently it's not uncommon that uh, penguins can be homosexual mm-hmm. but they still want to have uh, to, to want to have to children. children they want yeah. to raise children this summer officials at the Berlin Zoo gave a gay couple of king penguins an egg to hatch after they tried to hatch earlier a stone and a dead fish <laughs> <laughs> oh these poor oh, penguins know, but now sad. they had an egg and yeah. now the ones in a in well, the nice thing as well is the, 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 the penguins that lost the egg um, have another egg yeah, yeah. they have yeah. another egg so, so nobody's lost nobody's lost yeah. Lost any it's amount nice. of eggs. I like it's to good. think they didn't steal it. They were actually they actually adopted it. They adopted it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and there was paperwork, and there's some kind of fuchadering. Of course, <laughs> it has a, it has a pet passport. Penguins. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> We'll be discussing the cabinet's plans to tackle the stickstuff crisis after this word from our sponsors. If you appreciate our efforts to keep you updated with the rolling schedule of Malifelt protests, you can now sponsor us on Patreon. No, don't sponsor us on Patreon for that. I don't want to go to the Malifelt anymore. <laughs> it's terrible. Too bad. Don't give us any money. <laughs> You'll earn our eternal gratitude, a free shout out, and the chance to ask us a question on the podcast. This week we say hello to new patron Linda, uh, no last name, but hello Linda, who's originally from Australia, but now lives in Rotterdam. She tells us, quote, last week I was able to make a smooth and timely Dick Lawyer reference in oh. conversation with my Dutch colleagues. Oh. 
fantastic. So, Molly, your work your work on this earth is done. I can <laughs> quit. Well, after getting Ophef on the BBC and after yes. this, I'm going to retire. Exactly. Finished. Yeah. So it was time to support you all for this effort. So thank you, Linda. Um, she also has a linguistic question for us. She says, oh, in the light of the recent farmers' protests, is the correct word trekker or trektor? Oh, boy. Depends uh, on who you ask. Uh, which does Paul, I think. Paul? Well, if you are a farmer or someone who claims to be the supporter of farmers, then you say trekker. Mm. And if you are someone else, then you say tractor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That, that's sort of my experience from Drenthe yeah. as well, actually, where there are lots of trekkers going about the place. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And it immediately, when whenever you call it a tractor, then immediately everybody knows what your position is yeah. in this yeah. entire debate. But mm. uh, there's more... Dick Lawyer news, isn't it? Yeah. So I was in the I was at this event with a bunch of press people, and they were talking about uh, the podcast and how they think our obsession with Dick Lawyer is very funny, and that they want to start a petition to try to get Dick Lawyer to come <laughs> on the podcast. We want this, which yeah, we, we want desperately this, yes. want. Yes, so if somebody really wants to start a petition to get Dick Lawyer on the podcast, yeah. or if anyone just knows Dick Lawyer, if anybody just knows him, yeah. please just we, let us we, know. We need more it's money for this, so go to Patreon.com/DutchNewsNL and give us some money so yep. we can uh, we can bring. Uh, uh, Dick Lawyers. So we can afford it. Yes. So we can bring Dick, Dick Lawyer to our, to our cozy studio. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Prime Minister Mark Rutte announced the cabinet's plan to tackle the nitrogen crisis on Wednesday. In May, the Council of State ruled that the Dutch policy for reducing nitrogen emissions near nature reserves was unlawful and had to be scrapped, stalling 18,000 building, construction and infrastructure projects because they would add to the pollution problems. The crisis sparked massive protest on the Malieveld in The Hague by farmers who feared stricter regulations and construction workers who feared the loss of their jobs. We talked uh, about the background of the crisis in detail on numerous, numerous mm. occasions. Too many occasions. Too many occasions. So many occasions. Uh, we will link to these episodes uh, in the liner notes, but for yeah. now... Solutions. Yeah, so, so what's the cabinet going to be doing, first of all? Well, they announced uh, a couple of uh, measures that they're going to do, but the one that strikes the most is the uh, reduction of the maximum speed limit on uh, motorways. Uh, they will It will be reduced from 130 kilometers an hour to 100 kilometers an hour during the day. Uh, at night, between 7 p.m. and 6 a.m., the speed limit will remain 130 kilometers. So cars less polluting at night or something? What's, uh, well, what's the deal here? Well, well, the reasoning is, of course, that there are less cars at night. Yeah. You know, whenever you drive a car, you mostly do it between uh, 6 and 7 p.m. So, mm -hmm. um, And I think it's definitely... Yeah, we're going to talk about this later, but it's, uh, of course, a very painful uh, measure for the VVD, yeah. who is... The Vroom Vroom Party. I'm sorry, what is the Baby Day's nickname, Paul? The Vroom Vroom Party. Mm -hmm. I had never heard this nickname before. Though. So I had this. So the, the New York Times ran with an AP story that called it the Vroom Vroom Party. And so I called our editor in chief and said, What do you think? Is this commonly used enough? And she was like, No, I don't think so. Mm. So then I went to go look it up. But it is. It's not the most common thing, but it is fairly commonly but, but used. But you only use it when you're talking about the maximum speed limit, yeah. right? Ne yeah. Never on other No, reasons. never on so other indications. related yeah. to, to this topic. And there I was the statement that, that I think, I'm pretty sure it was Hroon Links. Either Hroon Links or Deus Assessic put out, said that if uh, the Vevi Day was going to be known as the Vroom Vroom Partai, that they wanted to be known as the Tring Tring Partai, which is like the sound <laughs> that a bike bell yeah. makes. Uh, wow, yeah. Wow. But why does the Vevi Day have this uh, nickname? It is because... Uh, 
the uh, it was it was the VVD who introduced the 130 kilometer speed limit. It was first 120 kilometers mm-hmm. an hour. Uh, so in, and and they regarded as a sort of their flagship, their, yeah. their massive most yeah the the, the biggest achievement of uh, of the VVD as a ruling party. Um, so yeah, scrapping it now it's it's very painful. Real unpopular. Yeah. Um, Klaas Dijkhoff, the leader of the VVD in the Tweede Kamer, called it a rotmaatregel. So did Rutte as well. Yeah, Rutte did it too. Rutte did it too. Yeah. 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 Uh, you translated it as rotten measure, but yeah, we went with rotten really measure, but that's just, not really what it. Rubbish. Rubbish. Yeah, yeah, it's just bad, basically. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. Un- unpleasant. Yeah, but but the the VVD they stressed that it is just necessary to do this uh, because it will save thousands of jobs in yeah. the construction industry. Um, uh, the speed reduction means that construction of 75,000 houses will get a green light uh, yeah, almost instantaneously. So, yeah. um, Which, uh, coincidentally, is the number of the houses that uh, the VVD pledged to build this year. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. that's, uh, funny yes, how that's, that works. Uh, that's yeah. funny how that works. It was all calculated by the AFVM, so yeah, they have the, the scientific background for this. Um, the reduction will come into force as soon as the emergency law is accepted by both houses of parliament, and it's ca- this can be done in a matter of weeks. Um, and Rutte did also not rule out that this will be only a temporary measure. Mm-hmm. It's really weird because uh, at first, when you uh, when this was announced a couple of weeks ago, that mm. they were sort of uh, planning on doing this or at least taking it into consideration, I thought this is this is this will be the end of the favorite day party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. basically, people now, lost their damn minds. Yeah. But, but but now I think. Uh, the 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 VVD members uh, uh, who who uh, were interviewed on television they all said yeah uh, I, we know it's painful we don't want it but if it means that all these thousands of jobs are saved then yeah. we're willing to yeah. accept it and I think that's sort yeah. of the general point of view of, of yeah. a lot of people yeah and I think I think Rutter's done a smart thing by he's held a lot of, held a lot of these local meetings with like some party groups where he's gone around and explained why they really have to do this and people seem to accept his reasoning by yeah. and large I yeah. think it's the, the the trust within the VVD membership for Rutter although motor were threatening to protest on the Malifeld. They were threatening to protest on the Malifeld. Not again. Yeah. <laughs> poor Malifeld. I know, the poor Malifeld. Yeah. Poor Malifeld's having a hard time. I'm going to protest on the Malifeld against yeah. protests on the Malifeld, I think. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Leave, them, leave the Malifelds alone. Leave the Malifelds alone. Just stand alone. on the pavement. Just stand right on the beside pavement. It. Go somewhere <laughs> else. Yeah. There's lots of places you can go protest. Come like by train, room. not by yeah. car. But RTL News kind of reconstructed this coalition meeting, didn't they? Where they thrashed all this out. Yeah, yeah. And apparently Margrethe had said in that meeting that if the speed limit will be reduced, he could just as well abolish the party. Yeah. That's how strong he felt. Paul, do you? know how the VVD came to be the party of the motorists? This is the thing that I find so fascinating. Uh, it is. Uh, I, I heard Ruta talk about this. He said having a car that's basically being free, right? Being yeah, free. It's kind of about individual freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, the yeah. free market party yeah. and the only car. It's the same thing for Margaret Thatcher was the same thing. She was yeah. big on driving cars, hated public transport, thought that, you know, it's almost a symbol of your, you know, you, your individual worth and success is the fact that you own a car and you can yeah. go about freely wherever I you find want, that so fascinating because it's so obnoxious and difficult to drive in this country, yeah. especially <laughs> to drive. I just... It's so much easier to go places by bike. Like, I don't understand. Well, I mean, I, I understand sort of the theory behind it, I guess. But I think in reality that they're... I don't know, Maybe delusional. they should increase the speed limit of bikes to 130. <laughs> I think that would be fine. So, yeah, the, the other mad thing is that people still say, well, you know, it saves me so much time having a five speed limit. When actually most... 45 minutes is a long commute in this country. Yeah. And most of that distance is not on motorways. No. And certainly not on motorways where you can do 130. Yeah. Especially in peak hour when there's big traffic jams anyway. Yeah. So yeah. it makes it's gonna make very little difference to people. 
people in practice, I think. Yeah, in this cabinet meeting uh, or, or coalition meeting, actually, um, Rutte said, I can just as well abolish the party. But then other parties said, well, if, if you have thousands of construction workers sitting at home at Christmas, then you can do the same thing. Yeah. You can also abolish your party. Yeah. So that sort of uh, pushed Rutte uh, over the edge to... Uh, and also because the RVM had calculated that reducing the speed limit is the only measure that will immediately yeah. make this, uh, this, this space for the construction of these homes. Yeah. And there's seven large infrastructure projects that were in question too. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. They, they, are, they can now be built yeah. Uh, yeah. as well. So yeah, I think I came down to Rutte, it was, came down to a straight choice between do you keep the high speed limit or do you keep jobs? Yeah. Yeah. And Rutte's always been throughout his career has been very much pro the prime jobs. minister saying pro jobs, I want to create jobs. And that I think was what uh, persuaded for him, I think. But yeah. he did yeah. manage to get a compromise because, yeah, as we said, the speed limit will not be reduced at night. Um, mm. So, yeah, if you if you if you go away from work uh, uh, later than usual, then still you can uh, you, you can, can drive, drive your one thirty. Uh, yeah, your one thirty mm. if you want. And also, uh, yeah, the backlash of the speed reduction is quite limited on the VVD members. As I said, a lot of people just think it's uh, if, if 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 the choice is 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 this uh, yeah. workers or you know driving fast and the. Uh, then the choice is very clear. Yeah, everybody seemed... I mean, Klaus Dijkhoff also has seemed begrudging but ups- yeah. uh, accepting, basically. Yeah. 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 yeah, and I think the managers in the construction industry are all Fefe Day voters as yeah. well. So that was a big you know, uh, yeah. consideration, I think. And the, this tempered re- uh, reaction might have to do that with the fact that it was already leaked out a week ago that yeah. this was under consideration. So yeah, yeah everybody was already yes. a little bit prepared. So, so Bradley's a fed it yeah. in. Didn't he Although it did indeed. blow up on Wednesday when it came, it did. came by. It, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it did. But it died down quite fast yeah. too. Yeah. I have to say it mostly blew up by the Telegraaf and yeah. their headlines. Um, Shocking. Like. If you read or if you only read the, the Telegraaf, then then you would think that this is the biggest crisis in the world and mm-hmm. uh, it's all terrible. But yeah, if you actually ask people what what do you think, then everybody is very understanding about it, yeah. I think. Yeah. So yeah. there are doubts, though, about the effectiveness of this measure, right, Paul? Yeah, because uh, first of all, only 6% of the nitrogen pollution in the Netherlands is caused by motorized traffic, while the percentage is more than 40 of the farmers. Um, uh, secondly, uh, you know, how many people are actually driving 130 kilometers an hour? We just uh, mentioned that. Um, on the roads with the heaviest uh, traffic, the speed limit is already uh, lower than 130 kilometers an hour. And uh, Flitsmeister, that's a popular app that um, sort of alarms drivers when they are approaching speed checks. Uh, they analyze their data. They obviously have a lot of that. And they concluded that uh, on average, only 6% of the cars that are driving at that time, they are actually yeah. driving with a speed of 130 kilometers yeah. an hour. Yeah, so. I mean, Ritter himself said that this is a temporary, this is a short-term plan. We got Well, um, he said that, uh, he, he didn't rule out that this will be a uh, permanent measure. Yeah. That's what he said. But this is these measures, and we will come to the other measures as well. These yeah. are short-term solutions, because it's yeah. only a very small uh, part of the yeah. en- entire problem is solved by this. Uh, yeah. I think only 0.6% of the all the nitrogen emissions uh, yeah. uh, uh, is solved by this. Yeah. yeah. When the other measures have been sold and brought in, and they, I think I suppose Greta can make another nice big positive announcement: yeah. the speed limits going back up, possibly coming up to the election in yeah. 2021. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's good timing for him because you yeah. know, like you said, Christmas is coming, right? And this will immediately have the effect that they can restart all these house building projects. I mean, we all know that there's a housing 
crunch in the country and yeah. that there's a couple of large infrastructure projects that are also have been halted because of this, you know, it immediately starts all that. All of those people immediately go back to work. And, you know, I think that's a good, you know, it's a good short term, like let's get some things rolling and like try to figure out the bigger plans as we get yeah. down the road. I suppose they can actually use this as well as a kind of bargaining chip when yeah. they're negotiating the more difficult measures saying, look, if we can get this done, we can get the speed limit back up. Yeah. So, well, and I also think it gives Ruta a good place to say to the farmers, like, look, we, you know, we have to do things to you guys because the bulk of the emissions are coming from livestock mm -hmm. farming but we have done other things to other people other people have had to make sacrifices yeah. what other measures have been announced the other measures yeah farmers will be required to switch to animal feed with extra enzymes that will reduce the production of ammonia in their manure this freaks me out why i i think it's weird to like basically you're just like adding like a weird enzyme so but that cows like they add well, all kinds of things to animal uh, feed now know, which will make cows out. produce more milk freaks and all that me kind out. of thing yeah so. yeah, yeah it's just another just another chemical among the hundreds they really get don't yeah. like yeah. yeah, as we said, the agricultural sector is the biggest contributor to nitrogen pollution. Uh, additionally, the cabinet will reserve 180 million euros to compensate pig farmers who will shut down their businesses voluntarily. The cabinet will also come with an emergency bill that will allow several building projects uh, that are essential to the country's safety, such as dike maintenance and coastal protection projects uh, to go uh, forth. Um, the emergency bill will also allow uh, reparations and maintenance of major infrastructure projects, but uh, additional nitrogen emissions will have to be compensated. The cabinet has said that it might be possible that smaller nature reserves uh, which are beyond saving that, that was an actual quote mm -hmm. yeah. uh, might lose their protective status yeah Prunelinks was real upset by that yeah. yeah and it was a really strange moment in the debate yesterday on Thursday in the Tweede Kamer about the, um, the stickstoff uh, solutions they said uh, they asked this the data system is it possible that some uh, nature reserves will, will, will lose their protective status and uh, the data assessor said no that's absolutely not the case and when this question was asked to the favorite day they said yeah yeah, it's we possible. Were, we were probably going to do this yeah. Yeah. so yeah. yeah the coalition parties they uh, need to figure something out uh, yeah. between themselves yeah I found it quite intriguing that the specific uh, projects that they wanted the emergency measure for were the coastal dike protection you know the things that actually keep the sea at bay right. like did, did that make like, that are keeping uneasy? us from turning into yeah. Venice yeah, like, yes. did, they some, did they know something are they I had some information yeah. that this is really quite urgent. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think so. I mean, maybe, I guess it's possible. But I think, you know, those projects oftentimes take a really long time. And so, like, if you delay them, like, it, it creates... And also, like... It creates a backlog. It creates a backlog yeah. that makes it difficult. And some of the materials that they use in some of these projects, like, they're not in the Netherlands. Like, a lot of these stone and stuff, mm -hmm. they have to be shipped in from elsewhere. Yeah. And so, like, if you don't have your orders in, I think it could create a lot of problems. So I yeah. wasn't too freaked out by that. I'm more freaked out by the cow fart thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I heard on Twitter that we're all going to be saved by uh, Cherry Baudet and the Hyperloop, so it's all going to be <laughs> fine, right? Yes. Yeah, it's really it's so strange. These these parties, Cherry Baudet and the PVV, they say, yeah, there's not a problem at all. The government is making this up. There's not a problem. Nitrogen doesn't exist. And then all of a sudden they say, yeah, we should just use the German uh, method, where uh, <laughs> which is much less strict, um, which is less strict than the than the Dutch method. Uh, so they. On the one hand, they deny its existence, but on the yeah. other hand, they have all these solutions that will uh, help us uh, deal yeah. with this problem, uh, yeah. 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 including the Hyperloop. Yeah, including the Hyperloop. Yeah, there was that great, yeah, there was that amazing film of Thierry Baudet in like a hard hat and a weird scarf yeah. in a Hyperloop tunnel. I mean, I have questions about this because the Hyperloop, the idea of the Hyperloop is that people can travel long distances yes. in a short period of time, and he wants to leave the EU. So, like, what are you gonna like <laughs> go to the Belgian border and then like have a passport check and then yeah. go through Belgium and have a passport check and then like, I mean, that doesn't seem very Hyperloopy. Yeah. 
he sees because a high plume apparently can get you to Paris in 45 minutes, but not if you've got to stop at three borders. No, I mean, have you been through border control? It takes forever. French border control. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Belgian border control. Dude, don't talk to me about Belgium. So are there more measures to come, Paul? Yeah, they, uh, they, they, there will be. Uh, Margarita said that uh, these are the first initial measures and that uh, more uh, is to be expected in the coming weeks and months and that the cabinet and ministries are working very hard to come up with uh, concrete measures just as they've been doing for the past six months, apparently. Yeah, and these are supposed to tackle the nitrogen crisis in the long term while the announced uh, plans are meant for uh, yes, as, as a short-term solution. GroenLinks leader Jesse Klaver has said that uh, in the nitrogen debate on Thursday that uh, he's very pessimistic about this because... You know, either way, they took the cabinet six months to come up with these plans. And yeah, if you are saying we will come up with something more in the past uh, months, then yeah. Yeah, a little skeptical. A little skeptical. He also pointed out that the crisis was self-inflicted because the original permit system was introduced by one of Rutte's uh, previous cabinets. Which is true. Um, But the prime minister was then in turn quick to point out that the Tweede Kamer voted almost unanimously in favor Mm. of this. Including the GroenLinks. Including the GroenLinks. But yeah, I think uh, Jesse Klaver has a point here. Uh, Yeah, it's a Mm self-inflicted problem. Yeah, well, I I was talking about the delay because, or that it took them six months. But, Mm. you know, the sort of the the roadmap that was chosen was the Tweede Kamer... uh, 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 wanted a commission that was going to look into this problem. They were going to make some suggestions and then the suggestions will be calculated and then at the end they will make a decision. Mm. So uh, on the one hand, it is sort of uh, uh, the Tweede Kamer's fault for choosing this uh, roadmap. But on the other hand, uh, the, the cabinet could have just, while this commission was doing its, its job uh, in, the, in the background, also do... Uh, their jobs yeah. and come up with some 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 plans, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, because the, the the ruling was in May, it's it's really six months. Yeah, and yeah. six months to get yeah. around, around to it. Yeah, it was in May, and then then because we had the summer break, so I didn't really start thinking about it till September. Basically, and at that point, they studied the rules. They studied the ruling in detail and said, oh, we've really got to do things here. Yeah, because so. it also took some time before they really um, uh, understood the impact of, yeah. the, of the of the court ruling. But then, uh, I mean, you, you, you can also uh, assess that before the court yes. ru- rules. Before, it's, before the permits start being blocked, basically. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's... Um, yeah. I, I think they have yeah. a point here. I think uh, Ben Coates had a good take on this, though. He said that you know, all this kind of... Uh, the fact that these measures were coming in, they were cutting the speed limit, shows that actually the Netherlands works quite well. Yeah. Because they can actually make these difficult decisions. Other countries would have just kicked it down the road. Yeah. You know, it also come up with the ideological reasons or strategic reasons why... Yeah, they've all paid lip service to it, but yeah. said actually never, not actually got anything done. I also had so. a great take on this. <laughs> which well is, is that the US says yeah we're impeaching our president it's a national crisis the UK says you know we're crashing out of the EU with no plan it's a national crisis and the Netherlands says we're considering maybe possibly raising speed limits sometimes on some Cutting. roads it's a national crisis just to juxtapose what other people think of this national crisis but, but we now finally know what the favorite day the abbreviation stands for from from debacle. Oh, vroom vroom debacle. I like that. So speaking of vroom vroom, there was some all-path, right, yes, Paul? Tell yes, us the yes, all-path. Yes, That's yes. everyone's favorite part. At the uh, press conference on Wednesday, uh, Rutte told journalists that the nitrogen crisis was the worst crisis he had to deal with in his nine years as a prime minister. Slightly awkward. Uh, many mm. thought that this was a very insensitive comment, uh, given the fact that he also had to deal with MH17, uh, the euro crisis, the refugee crisis. Uh, we can go on yeah. with that as well. But but many framed as a sort of that he, he talked about reducing the speed limits as the worst crisis yeah. that he had to deal with even yeah. though he meant the uh, whole nitrogen crisis as a whole because you know 
there's so many thousands of jobs yeah. uh, at yeah. stake here. Yeah. So I guess he has a point here, but yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think his point is valid in the sense, because he also, he said something else at this press conference where he was comparing this to the refugee crisis. And what he was basically saying is, is that the reason this is such a difficult thing to deal with is because there's so many moving parts, right? Mm. This is not a situation. I mean, obviously MH17 was an immense tragedy, but yeah. it was pretty clear, you know, this was a bad thing that happened and that there were a lot of victims and that like you should do what you can to sort of take care of those victims. That's not a, while tragic and terrible, it's not complicated, right? In no. the sense that like, in the same way this is. This is a lot of like, if we do this, then this happens. Like, if we do this other thing, then that other thing yeah. happens. I think finding what is the best path forward is really like a, a challenge. It's yeah. difficult. No, I think he just chose his words badly. If yeah. he said it was his most difficult challenge, that yeah. would have been okay. Because MH17, like I say, is a huge tragedy, but yeah. it's confined within one area. It's, it's justice, basically. It's the justice. justice issue. Yeah. Whereas this spreads across all It's all every ministry. It's, it's every, every sector of the yeah, economy. Everybody's got so, Everybody's got an issue with this. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. yeah. So it's extremely complicated. I think that's what he meant. Yeah. But didn't, that's not quite what he said. No. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and there was a debate on parliament in parliament yeah, as that, well. It was on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it, it, won, it, it was, was very boring. It was well. There was a very there was, very, there was a couple good moments, yeah, but overall, good moments with yeah. uh, when Wilders interrupted the prime minister. Yeah, there was a good finger pointing between Wilders and uh, Rutte. Yeah, yeah. all the yeah. all the cliches of yeah. their ten relationship. Years relationship. Yeah. 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 yeah, it was like watching a divorced couple at a, at yeah, a dinner. Exactly, <laughs> that is very true. That is that is definitely what happened. It was very. It was a spectacular moment indeed. But there was some irritation by the opposition parties. Uh, for example, it is a big debate, and usually they send their party leaders to the to debate to sort of emphasize the importance yeah. of the debate. But you know, the coalition parties only sent their uh, backbench uh, yeah. spokespersons mm. uh, to the debate, so they 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 f- were a little bit irritated by that. Support from the uh, opposition is required, though, by both houses of parliament, because as we know, uh, the government doesn't have a majority in any of these houses. Yeah. Uh, there, but yeah, it will be kind of difficult to get this because there's no support whatsoever from the right parties. Mm. Yeah. They literally deny that there is actually a problem, a problem yes. so then doesn't need to be a solution um, and uh, yeah on the left uh, side of the of the of the Tweede Kamer uh, they uh, are irritated by it that it took them so long yeah. and a lot of parties yeah. think that these measures are too little too late I um, think you know if anybody can thread this needle it is Mark Rutte yeah yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think. Um, yeah, he's, he's got a lot of experience, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah I think maybe that the the the, the are going to be key to this. Somehow. Yeah, we, we haven't. We it's haven't a good had. moment. Maybe it's a good yeah. moment for them to make well, a bit of a comeback. Well, the thing about is, you know, notice this. So they, Can we all no, just notice... take a moment to discuss the best <coughs> moment from the debate, which was when Karim Habib told uh, Cherry Bonet to shut up again? <laughs> no, that was the day. Before oh, was that. it the day before? Yeah. Oh, uh, I thought it was uh, on Thursday. No, no, no. no oh. but the video emerged yesterday. Uh, yeah, gotcha. Oh, okay. Uh, I I thought for a moment why did I miss this? But yeah. she was wearing a different jacket. Different so, jacket. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's that, that that's why I noticed. <laughs> anyway, podcast uh, favorite politician. Yeah, Kadisha Arib. Kadisha yeah. Arib had strikes again. Strikes again. Yeah. 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 Speaking of things that will strike again, another protest on the Mali Feld. No, I'm not covering any more protests. No. <laughs> I refuse. No, I refuse to do yeah. this. No, yeah. Apparently, a petition has been started for car drivers to go on the Mali Feld and protest about. They should leave the Mali. But I just what is so slowly. crazy about it's this weird. to me is that people who are like that invested 
in their vehicles as like an extension of their personality. They're like such a tiny minority of people in this country and it's a leisure issue, right? This is basically like saying, you know, I want to be able to sunbathe. So we have to raise all the houses behind me Mm. so that I have like better sunlight here. I mean, it's not the same as like... Some people have to drive to work as well. Yeah, sure. But I, I don't think that it's just people who are just like, I'm driving to work. Like normal people who just like drive to work don't, aren't going to go out and don't want to call for a protest on the Valley Felt. It's people who feel very like that their car is like a really important part of their identity um, that are going to sort of stage some kind of protest Could about be. this. Or they just hate the government and they want to... Yeah. Well, there's also that. They want protest another reason anything. to have a protest. Yeah, yeah. indeed. Yeah. Anyway, if you want to drive really fast, go to Germany. And <laughs> yes, create, exactly. Contribute to their nitrogen crisis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think uh, that's it. I think that's, that's a good place to stop. Yeah, I think yeah. we should <laughs> stop before I say Lesson else. four from this podcast, go to Germany. Go to yeah, Germany. Uh, or this, Belgium. Or Belgium. No, don't go to Belgium. <laughs> no. It's terrible wreck, You'd wreck your car trying to drive fast on their roads. <sighs> that's all we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to, uh, to the podcast and leave us a rating. And you can also back us now on Patreon at patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl. Yeah, and earn yourself a free shout out. And uh, you yeah. can also always ask an awkward question and we'll try to answer that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my thanks to uh, Molly Quell and Gordon Derrick. I'm Paul Peters and we'll be back next week. <laughs>